there, lollygaggers. <laughs> oh, God. I hope we didn't lose anybody just by playing Creed off the top. <laughs> Here we go. Tell you what, let's, let's start off. We are lollygagging sports. I'm Bo Reed along with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. Let's go. Samantha, let's go to you first because I know you're like the ultimate Creed super fan. I just, you guys, I'm so embarrassed for your fan base. Um, more on that in a minute. <laughs> right. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Irby, how about you? How you doing? Welcome back. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Got a, got a brother-in-law married off and got some great baseball and all the while listening to Creed, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Again, <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> I genuinely hope we didn't lose a bunch of people just from the opening audio. <laughs> You almost lost me. I was oh, about to no. be like, you know what? I don't really want to be part of this podcast anymore. <laughs> oh, no. Bye. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, like, boy. Oh. Yeah, well, more on that later when we talk baseball playoffs. And there is a reason why Creed suddenly made an appearance on Lollygagging Sports for the first time ever. And we've been doing this show for quite a while, guys. So there's, there's a reason that we haven't done that yet. But here we go. All right. So, uh, Let's kick it off with some football first, uh, and then we're going to get into into the into the baseball playoffs. So, Samantha, I think we need to start. Man, uh, this is something that we've never said on this podcast. We never talked about this on this podcast, which is weird because sports are so cyclical. You know, we're doing the podcast long enough where things come around. You know, they come back. The Patriots, for the first time since we've been doing this together, for the first time since we were in college. My goodness, are they are just bad. I mean, bad. Is, is, is this blow up the roster and start overtime for the Patriots? Is Belichick going to have to start over? I mean, I, I think certainly they're going to have to start over at some critical positions. But it's it's weird, right? You're like, yeah, we've never had this conversation because, like, we were like children. Like, I don't think podcasts existed the last time the Patriots looked like this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's some wild stuff. But, um, yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're Belichick, like, I mean, I've heard some proposals that, like, maybe Belichick needs to move on, not as in Belichick is washed. I think that's just a bad take. Mm -hmm. But, like, is, does the Belichick and the Patriots thing need to end? Like, you know, I've heard some, like, should they trade him to the Chargers? I was like, that would solve a lot of problems. It kind of would. <laughs> for, like, a lot of people if they did that. Um, mostly the Chargers. Um, but, you know, just a thought. Just something to put out there in the universe. But, yeah, I mean, look, I like Mac Jones, um, but I he's not it. Um, I <laughs> I tried to maintain my faith in this guy, and I just don't think he has it. I, I think he's too slow of a processor. He's he's too slow to adjust, and it, it's not all his fault. It is absolutely not all his fault, but he's definitely looking like a guy where everything around him has to be working perfectly, mm-hmm. or he can't pull it off. And at this point, even though you know we talk about how hard it is to find a good quarterback and how you build the roster around the quarterback, but at this point, the way this team looks, it would be easier to blow up the roster and keep the few pieces that you have that are working, bring in a better quarterback, as opposed to trying to build a team around Mac Jones that will make Mac Jones succeed. I, I just, that's where I'm at with them at this point. Yeah. Irby, where are you at here with the Patriots? Because I, I, it's... I lo- you you look at that roster and, and you look at how they how bad they have performed. It's it's 
You know, it looked like they were taking steps forward, steps forward, and now they've taken a giant leap back and fallen off a cliff and blown up. I, yeah, it, it's, you know, early on in the season, I think we were, we were sitting there, it's like, okay, fine, you know, Philadelphia and Miami, and it was competitive games, so it's like, okay, here you go, and you got to win against the Jets, but then, yeah, these last two weeks, um, wow, that fell off the rails really quick, and the good thing is, is it's a Belichick coach team, I, I do expect them to turn this around a little bit, whether that means you're a playoff team, no, 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 not by any means, um, but I, I do see them riding this ship just a little bit, uh, but I, it will. It, I, it's not going to matter in the end, and maybe losing out is the better thing because you're not competing. It, it, this isn't going to be the thing where, okay, we got to tweak this, we need to add that, and then we need to make a trade for this. And once you've done those three, maybe four things, you're competing with the Dolphins and the Bills again. That's not it. So, I, yeah, maybe it's time for a blow-up and a rebuild just because of the timing of everything here. You're not in a position where you're going to change a couple things and be competing because of those two teams. And, unfortunately, you know, I mean, you've got the Jets in there as well. But still, with what Miami and Buffalo are at, where, where Buffalo, you know, conversation, their window is open. Whether it's closer to closing or not, we don't know. We're going to find that out. Miami's window is opening. Because of those things right there, yes, I think New England, it is time to really assess who on this team is part of your long-term plans and consider the future. Well, I mean, have we really seen Belichick where he's having a draft, like number one, number two in the draft before? How long has it been, Samantha, since we've seen something like that? Because he's always mid-teens. Somewhere around there, and he's trading up and down. He's moving around. He's not. He, he sometimes doesn't even pick in the first round. Takes a quarterback well, well, way late, like second round. Like, what are we expecting from Belichick in a rebuild? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously the you know vaunted Belichick draft heyday all took place in the, the later rounds, right? Like you used to be able to go through those rosters, and you know it was interesting. There was all these where you would look through the the Super Bowl rosters of the you know late aughts. Patriots, and there was like, you know, Gronk was like the highest drafted player, you know, and then you've got all these guys, all the stars of that team, you know, Brady, last round pick, Edelman, last round pick, Danny Amendola, undrafted, you know, all the guys who made that happen outside of one were late round picks. So we've never really seen Belichick, eh? the last time would have to have been um, early 2000s uh, when they would have had an, an truly early pick. Um, you know, mid-round is, is really the highest that we've seen, especially in the first round. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. We talk about Belichick's drafting prowess always about being able to make the most out of late-round picks. And I, I know he's been criticized a lot that he's sort of fallen off on that lately. And I don't necessarily disagree, but I also don't think it's quite as dire as uh, <laughs> some people would like you to believe. But we don't really know, right, like what Belichick would do with a bunch of high draft picks. We don't know because we haven't seen it in like 20 years. So, Wild. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, it's going to be something to watch for sure. Like, like he's not one that's just going to pack and say, okay, I'm done. I've, I've, I've done my time here. I've done all I can. It's time for me to go. That's not Belichick. We know so Belichick. he's going to die out there. Yeah, he's right. going to die on that field. So we're going to see it. This rebuild, a Belichick rebuild, we're going to see it. It's just going to be for the first time in a very, very, very long time. Irby, anything else on the Patriots before we, before we move on? 
Uh, yeah, the Belichick era, only two top ten draft picks. 2008, with the tenth pick overall, he took Jared Mayo. And then the other one, that 2001, coming off that horrible first season in 2000. In 2001, with the sixth pick, he got some defensive end out of Georgia named Richard Seymour. I don't know if he ended up may doing much or anything. <laughs> kind of good. Kind of good. Hall of Fame. Kind of good. <laughs> kind of yeah, a good player. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's flip it over to a good team. Uh, now, th- those that have listened to us uh, so far this football season and last season, you know how much we like those Lions. Well, Samantha, those Lions are 4-1. and one. They got a two-game lead in that really awful North Division of the NFC, four and one. What are we making here? Is it is, is this going to stick? Is this is this the new world order in Detroit football, or is it just a hot start? Well, I mean, I think the question is: Are you good or are you NFC North good? Yes. Which are like two different things, right? Yes. So, like, are they? I mean, let's do the easier one first. Are you NFC North good? Yes. Absolutely. You're, you're 100% the favorite to win that division. I don't see any reason outside of a total catastrophe why you won't. Are they really a good team? I don't know. I want to believe in them. I think, I mean, let's talk about Jared Goff. Mostly, we can make my mom happy, right? Um, <laughs> because Jared Goff, like, looks like he might actually be good. It's weird. I've, like, run out of reasons to, like, mock Jared Goff because he's actually been quite good. And he's been good independently of, like, you know, that one season where he was propped up by uh, Sean McKay and about, you know, 20 All-Pros around him. Um, but but he's been quite good. And the defense, which I think was the question we had coming into this, I don't, you know, we, we make fun of golf, we joke, but, you know, he was going to be fine. He's been fine. So the question was the defense. And they've actually looked pretty okay. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to them when they run into somebody like the Eagles. Or the 49ers. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the goal, right? The, the goal is to be better than just the mid-off winner in the NFC North. And I think they can do that. I, I feel pretty good about the Lions, not as a Super Bowl contender, but as something other than just like, you're the least terrible team in the NFC North, so you get to go to the postseason. And Arby, let me ask you this. When was the last time that the Lions hosted a playoff game? I went in nineteen ninety one. I want to think so. Yeah, I was. Just, I can't think of anything in between then because they would have had to win the North, right? Which they haven't done. But that's that's what we're looking at with the Lions. They're they're up two games already in the North, and the North isn't going to be getting any better over the course of the rest of the year. So no matter what, this looks like a team that's going to host a playoff game for the first time in a very, very long time. Yeah, absolutely. I Well, it, it, I mean, and kind of to the point of where I was going to go with this, I, I I am comfortable enough, and you know me, I don't mind jumping out on limbs or anything. You guys love having fun with that. But I'm kind of, the NFC North is over with. The Lions yeah, will win it. I agree. Period. I, I, I zero zero thought otherwise. Like it's over. They they this is a playoff team. They will win the division. Um, they will host, as you said, they will get to host a a playoff game for the first time um, in since nineteen ninety one. Um, boy, there's some there's some fun we could have there with some uh, throwback. But uh, yeah, no, they will win because their toughest games are not all of them, but but 
their schedule, I can't say it's a joke because everybody has to play the schedule in front of them, um, but they're at Baltimore, at New Orleans, and at Dallas are their toughest games. They haven't touched Minnesota yet, so yes, sure, whatever, but I mean, Minnesota ain't going to catch them. Even if Minnesota could win both those games, it won't be close enough. You've beaten Green Bay. You've already got the win over Kansas City. You, you had your Seattle one. Like, they don't have any that tough a game. So the unfortunate thing is, is we are seeing a situation, and I don't know why this seems to always happen with NFC North teams, because we've dealt with this for way too long with that crap team and cheese for so long. We're like, oh, they've got 13, 14 wins, and they show up in the playoffs, and they're an absolute joke and getting embarrassed. <laughs> crap team and cheese. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that the Lions will end up with 13, 14 wins and not show up in the postseason. I'm not saying that. It just seems like the North gets it. But the Lions will have double-digit wins. They will take care of the NFC North without any problem. And then market from what? Well, you market on there from five minutes ago what Samantha said. Are the NFC North good or are they good? Because then we're going to find out. Unfortunately, because of what's in front of them, the, the schedule, if they're just going to play the schedule in front of them, we won't know if they're good until the postseason. The record will be good, but we won't know if the Lions are good enough to win a playoff game, which fortunately them is a home game, and are they a good football team until we get into the postseason. Can we start calling the Packers the funky, skunky, blue cheese of the NFL? Anybody? Any takers on that? No? Okay. Samantha, anything you want to add here? You know, a lot of weird conversations about cheese tonight already. We had one off air when you lost your wireless mouse. Um, That's <laughs> fair. We started the show. That's fair. So, yeah. It's getting weird. I don't know. I just like stop wearing cheese on your head. It's stupid. Um, it doesn't make any sense and it's stupid. Stop it. Um, they already hate us. It doesn't matter what we say. <laughs> Most people really don't like us. Uh, <laughs> I would, yeah, well, we really can't blame them. It's, it's okay. It's okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Let's talk. Let's, 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 let's flip it over to the, the AFC South. And, you know, I got to say it. And it's not something I expected to say any anytime soon, but I, I just I got to say it. Samantha, the Texans are showing some life. They're two and three, so, you know, don't start popping champagne bottles just yet. But there's there's a little bit of momentum here. For the Texans. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I got three things here. Number one, you fired the bunny. So mm-hmm. that was sort of like having a like light, a living sage cleansing of your franchise. So they fired the bunny. So they got that going for you, right? You also unloaded Deshaun Watson, who, regardless of anything else, was not going to play for you again for a pretty high price to Cleveland. So you have a real opportunity there. Now that Bill O'Brien is no longer doing your drafting um, (laughs) opportunity to really cash in um, on those early picks that they got from Cleveland. So there's that. And also like Stroud, like this is cool, right? Because it's a guy who, I mean, I, these Ohio State quarterbacks, they don't translate well. They really just don't. Right. Um, sorry, I know Ohio State people hate hearing that, but the fact of the matter is, is most of them just don't translate well to the NFL level. It just doesn't work. It's very, very workable model in college. It does not work in the NFL. But So this is a surprise, right? Um, so And this is good. I mean, I don't know if they just got lucky 
um, <laughs> or if they really did do something smart. But either way, this is going to help your franchise along. And, and, you know, they've quietly built what I would consider to be kind of an exciting defense mm-hmm. to watch. So that's cool because we really haven't seen that since very, very early J.J. Watt from the Texans. Right. Irby, how about you? Where are you at with the Texans? Uh, you know, good thing about where you're at in the division, um, that this is very winnable. Um, I'm not surprised that we are seeing these steps forward uh, at all. And that partly becomes of what, you know, Samantha, you are just talking about with the defense. I am a huge D'Amico Ryan's guy. Uh, you know, the, 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 the tra- what he did for the defense in San Francisco and, and being a huge part of that, it's why he got the job in Houston after playing there. Um, and so, yes, I, I love what he is able to do and what he is bringing and what he is building there in Houston in a division where, you know, I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of offense here. So having a really good defense can make the difference here. I mean, this, it's crazy what's going on here through – through five games, I we always knew this division was going to kind of be up in the air. It seemed like the last few years, you know, Tennessee, when they would ever show up, would could take care of business, but nobody else could really do it ever since Andrew Luck retired. This division has always just kind of been throw four balls in there and see what happens, and, and the Texans have definitely had their their down-down years because of Bob there, and, uh, you know, when you don't draft, you don't bring in good players. It's kind of a common theme there, but here you go. You're drafting again. Um, and what'd you do? You went out and you got the second, third overall picks last year. Bam, bam. Great job. And, and, and what's happening? You're getting positive results because of that. And so, yes, I, I love what is being built here in Houston. Are we going to continue to see games where they, they falter at the end? Yes. You know, this is a young team. This is a development team. They are not there yet. Um, the, the losses to Indianapolis and then Atlanta right there, those things sting, but Hey, you We've seen them at times, too, where they've taken care of business. So, yes, this Houston team is going to be very inconsistent. But nobody there had dreams of winning anything this season. And this is a team that, in a couple more months, we are still going to be talking about as possibly winning that division. I'm not saying they're doing it. This isn't like a Lions thing. But because of that AFC South, they will be in the conversation. Well, I mean, that in itself, Smith, doesn't that speed up the rebuild just because of the division they play in? It might, yeah. I mean, I actually don't think they're a contender for this division. Um, I think Jacksonville's is going to pull away. But um, but I I think I agree with you, though, that it will speed up the rebuild just because Jacksonville pulling away this season doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you have to look at this as going forward a pretty winnable division, mm-hmm. generally speaking. It would be easy to close the gap, so you take that opportunity and you go ahead and try to close that gap quicker, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couple couple of things to speed up your rebuild. <laughs> Sign a really good bullpen and play in the AFC South. <laughs> I, Sports crossover. Be the be the twins out there in your city connect uniforms during postseason. <laughs> be like, hey, we got here for we got here for free, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Just happy to be here. Oh, Bo, I think you can also throw in there trade LeBron away from multiple draft picks. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you could. I don't know how many sports I want to get involved here. <laughs> We've already got two. Three seems like a little much, Ruby. 
And has anyone actually traded LeBron? No, you're right. It's always free agency. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm saying. Hey, somebody try it, Lakers. See what happens. We're not. We're not Jerry Depoto calling the Angels trying to get a three-way trade going. I mean, just just keep it at two. It's good. Nice little crossover. It's fine. Yeah, Jerry Depoto. You can talk about that too. Fifty-four percent. Right. Fifty-four percent. Fifty, fifty-four percent. This is why we're not talking about you in October, Jerry. Do you know who the five teams are that have actually won fifty-four percent of their games in the time span that he allowed for? There's only five of them. It's not the Rockies, is it? It's not the Rockies. No, Damn. no. It's oh, that's way too high a goal. <laughs> way no. too high of a goal. No, it's it's <laughs> Dodgers, Yankees, Astros, Guardians, and Cardinals. <laughs> So, I mean, he was kind of on to something when he said that, like, 54% over that stretch of time really would put you in a good place with your fans, unless you're the Yankees, and you're just never happy with your team, no matter what. But, um, you know, he was right about that. <laughs> he was. That's his thing. He, was. he missed the memo about how the whole point was that 54% would imply success far beyond that many, many times over when you look at it over a long time period and he was just like, look, we won more than 54% of our games. What do you want from us this season? Oh my goodness. Uh, How did we get onto this? Uh, I don't don't know. It's good good we talked about this, though. We never talked about that when he said it. We didn't, yeah. You know, and the thing is, it's... it's, (laughs) What he said was bad enough... But, bro, read the room. You've already got problems with your fan base believing that you didn't do enough to you know, supplement a playoff team a year ago. You didn't do any. You watched your prime competition literally pass you. And you, yeah. and you open up the offseason with a comment like that? Bro, that's yeah. tone deaf. It's because he missed the entire point. He missed the whole point. He just, he plucks that 54% out of the air because, like, someone did a study and was like, aha, I will just apply this to this one season where I won more than 54% of my games. And it's like, no, man, that's not what this was about. (laughs) This was about being able to maintain that kind of percentage over a long period of time, which would imply that in a season like this, you would do better. (sighs) Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. (laughs) You know what I think happened? Here's here's what I think happened because this this has Irby written all over it. Okay, he somehow did like like some sort of some sort of an inception using one of his color coded Excel docs and just had fifty four percent bolded in the right spot, and that's why we got the fifty four percent lecture from Topoto. It's just my theory. A good, accurate theory. Um, I'm loving this because you know we live in this world of best of the West, Padres of the East, stuff like that. Now Jerry Depoto is baseball GM of the AFC South. Oh, ouch. Or he is the Rockies of the North. Uh. That's good. Yeah. No, that's still fifty. That's too high for the Rockies. That is. I mean, come on. That is. Well, that's is crazy. That's crazy numbers. It is four percent higher. <laughs> Four percent above our goal. That is whoa. It's just amazing to me that twice in one season we have had two different GMs come out and basically say, "Like, listen, man, like we're going for five hundred, and that's good enough." Like, oh my gosh, no, 
No. <laughs> no. <sighs> Man. I hope we didn't like get some sort of like a peek into his psyche while he's making trades, although that would make a lot of sense now that I think about it. The way yeah. the way he, <laughs> the way his trades go down, it makes sense. <laughs> We just need if to you win fifty four percent of your trades, uh, <laughs> we just need to win. does this get us fifty four percent of our trades? No, it gets us fifty six. No, not, no, we're not doing. It, it Has to be fifty four percent. How many times I got to tell you? Fifty four percent on the nose. Otherwise, we otherwise the equilibrium of our team goes out the window. Horrendous math. <laughs> serious voodoo economics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. Let's talk about the teams that actually made the playoffs. Now, everyone noticed, I'm sure, the uh, the, the Creed off the top. There was a reason for that. Uh, it, it came out not, not too long ago, right, right there in the middle, I think, of the division series, if I remember correctly, the timing of this. Uh, Andrew Heaney was was doing a, a, a talking to one of the Rangers radio guys who then tweeted out what he said. And apparently in, this, in the second half when the Rangers were struggling, they bonded over... Music from the band Creed. Now, everyone our age cringed when we heard that. <laughs> Every single one of us. Uh, there's a whole generation now that has never heard of this band. They asked the rookie, Evan Carter, and he, and he got the, eh, I kind of heard of him. I like this one song. That's what you get from kids because they don't know this band. Because the last time they released a single, I think, was 2009. All right, so no idea who Creed is, but that's where the Rangers have bonded over. And they were blaring at Samantha last night, game three. Now, mind you, we record this on Wednesday, so keep that in mind as we listen to our baseball coverage. Tuesday night, game three, they record that they blast Creed in the ballpark. The fans are eating up. The players ask the fans to do that. So you had sing-alongs. I'm half I'm half surprised that you know the lead guy for Creed didn't throw out the first pitch. So Samantha, that's where we're at. I, I know you have thoughts, so. What do you think? Guys, I say this with love. Like, I love all my Rangers pals. I love the Rangers. I hope you continue to do well in the postseason. I hope you make it all the way to the World Series. But this is embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I got, like, secondhand embarrassment to this. It's kind of like watching a, a high school musical where you just sit there and cringe and cringe and cringe and go, do you have any idea how stupid this looks from the outside? Like, <laughs> I... If you're going to do something like this, because what this screams is we didn't have a shtick, so we forced one. That's what this feels like. And, like, I don't blame the Rangers fans for, like, buying into it. Like, of course you're going to embrace whatever your team tells you to, doesn't matter how stupid it is. But, like, look, the best playoff shticks don't occur this way. And if you're going to do music, it either has to be something that has some meaning behind it that everybody can kind of get behind, like the Phillies doing Dancing on My Own by Robin. Or it has to be something that's funny. Like, Creed isn't funny bad. Like, and it wasn't introduced ironically. Like, Andrew Heaney didn't come in and be like, look, Creed is hilarious. So let's make that a thing. Right. This guy came in as a sincere Creed fan, which is a problem. Because this is objectively bad music. And it isn't funny bad. It's not like they came in and said, like, oh, we're all listening to the Spice Girls now. And we would all laugh at this <laughs> and embrace it and be like, okay, this is funny. You guys are being ironic. Like, they almost would have been better off going with Nickelback. Oh, gosh. Because no. everybody makes fun of them so much. 
Like, at least it would have been funny. Like, this isn't funny. It's just sad. It's like, so this pitcher has horrible taste in music, and he's taken everybody else down with him because the team was desperate for, like, a shtick. It's, I'm sorry, guys. I just, this is such a no to me. This is just absolutely not. I'm, I'm like, cringing with embarrassment over this. It's it's not going to change my rooting interest. I mean, I hope you guys do really well. But, like, there is a part of me that will not be sad to see Creed go. (laughs) I will say that. Like, this is, it's bad. It's bad. Like, there's a, there's a book by Rex King called Tacky, um, that is sort of all about her trying to reckon with like whatever like zeitgeisty things she got into that were considered like tasteless. And the first chapter is about Creed. The whole chapter is just about how much she likes Creed and how embarrassing it is. <laughs> you know, mm. Irby, I, I think what I need to know, not, not something I want to know, kind of casually would like to know, what I need to know is who was patient zero on the Rangers? Who was the one that on a bus, on a plane, somewhere was jamming out to Creed and it just, it just blew up from there? Somebody had to start this. Somebody had to willingly put Creed on in their ears or in their locker or somewhere, somewhere this this started. I want to know who, because the coaching staff is too old to like Creed, and most of the most of the team, the players on the team are too young to even know who Creed is. So you know who this points to. I don't like where this is pointing. Who do you think it is? Well, do the math, right? Who's the, who's the only person on that team who's the right age? There's only one. I don't like it. Oh, you're talking about like Hedges? No, I don't think he's quite old enough. I'm looking for somebody just a little bit older, but who I'm equally unhappy if he's responsible for this. This person is not currently active, but it doesn't mean he didn't introduce Creed. Scherzer? Yeah. You think it's Max? I hope not. I hope not. I sincerely <laughs> hope that because I love Max, and that will affect how I feel about Max. You know, I can but like, see Look, that. he is the only person in the right age bracket. Hedges is a bit too young. You know, I, I could see that, and Irby, by all accounts, this this Creed phenomenon happened after Max was traded to Texas. I could see that. I, yes, yes, it definitely happened there, and it, it makes more sense than uh, although I don't know. Andrew Heaney is originally from Oklahoma and play has been stuck in L.A. with the Angels for a while, so you know that makes you do things. So maybe it is him as well. I look, I'm. <laughs> I love that we sit here and, and when we put our teams aside and we objectively break these things down and, and when we talk about this stuff from an analytical standpoint, and I really hope over the next few minutes that you guys remember that I'm analytical. But I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm drinking the Creed Kool-Aid. Whatever it takes to win, it's just win, baby. It was hilarious last night in Arlington, just hearing the entire stadium singing Aloud and blasting. Uh, local radio all day today. You heard Creed left and right, <laughs> left and right. The city is buying. Uh, you know, it's, I, I love living here in the DFW area. The downside of that everything runs through football, so everything kind of runs through the Cowboys, and it's a horrible fan base because they believe they're it's either Super Bowl or dead last. Well, they're in a dead last mindset right now mm-hmm. after being utterly embarrassed by the 49ers. So, all those cowboy fans who suddenly are acting like they're not cowboy fans, 
they're listening to Creed as well. <laughs> it's all over the Metroplex. Bo, you mentioned throwing out the first pitch. I Yes, you're in the right mindset of what happened, but I think you missed the mark just a little bit. I think the fear should be more of, will Creed be singing the national anthem at a baseball game in the near future? No, no idea if that's going to happen or not. But uh, Rangers move on to the World Series. I wouldn't put it outside the realm of possibility. So, look, different conversation outside of October. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, the, the, the October baseball, the proper terms and stuff. I am a rational, thinking, mm-hmm. analytical person outside of this right now. Right now, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. In a couple weeks, you guys are going to have to get me out of this cold. You're going to have to get this out of my system or whatever. Drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I'm not listening to Creed at the moment, but I can't tell but say that, yeah, the song's in my head every once in a while. Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, you know for, for the opening audio, I had to buy the song, so I, I paid 69 cents for this thing. Something I, I, really had a, I really had a better way of using that 69 cents. I'm not going to lie to you, but I did it. And I probably Isn't that even sad it. that it's that low? 69 cents? <laughs> I can't just yeah, it's pretty bad. It's low. <laughs> it's actually the lowest. I've, it's the lowest I've seen a track on iTunes. <laughs> like even even iTunes is like no one's going to pay a dollar for this. Got to lower the price. <laughs> and now we're going to have to have a conversation, thanks to you, Irby, about how difficult it is to sing the national anthem and how Scott Stapp, while not a bad singer, does not have the vocal chops to sing the national anthem. So let's hope that doesn't happen. That's a very, very difficult thing to do, and it's only going to get worse, it could be worse. if we lean into that. Maybe you can let him sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. No. That's much easier. You know, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get the double whammy. You're going to get the national anthem and God Bless America. <laughs> the same game. Uh, the scariest really thing is if they keep winning. If they keep winning with it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Whatever it takes to pump up that team and get them in, 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 into the promised land, I'm all for it. I'm with Irby on this. I'm all for it. I, I, I'm not full-fledged. Like I'm not going to listen to it like on my own, but I'm all in. You know, whatever whatever you got to do to to get the adrenaline pumping and and and, and get that extra bite on your on your on your off speed, get that extra extra little bit of power to get over the wall. Whatever you got to do, have at it, man. Have at it. All right. Well, let's let's get into the baseball playoffs. Uh, we have at the point of recording, we have one division sewn up. Let's or one division series sewn up. Let's start with that one. Uh, Samantha, the Rangers sweep the Orioles. They've won five straight postseason games, and I, I think when you when you look at this, and, and I think you have to kind of like go a little bit beyond the division series. You just take all five games in totality. It's been the pitching. We can talk about the offense. We can talk about run differential. Yeah, the offense is doing better with runners in scoring position. They're doing. Uh, they're, they're back to what they were earlier in the season, but. The story in both of those series was starting pitching for the Rangers and even the bullpen with a clerk suddenly coming out of nowhere and taking that closer spot back. That pitching has been the story, and that is why I think you're seeing people change their minds about where how far this Rangers team can actually go. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you, especially with regard to the bullpen, because it's not that the offense wasn't a critical component of this. There were 
plenty of runs scored here. Plenty of games that, that got put completely out of reach in a very demoralizing way, which does matter um, in the postseason. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not that the offense didn't matter. It's that the offense was never in question. So the big question mark, a little bit on the starting pitching, you know, I know you and I talked a lot off air about sort of like how do you order this and, and what do you do about bringing Scherzer back? And, mm-hmm. and you know, you had said with Avaldi, I need to see it twice. Um, and now we've seen it twice. Yeah, um, we and we've seen really solid performances out of the starters. But the, the big thing to me is the bullpen because we were so worried about this coming into the postseason. We were saying, like, look, I think the Rangers have a great shot. That bullpen is scary. Um, it's real scary. Mm-hmm. And they have been significantly better. I think credit to Bochi, too. The usage has been a bit better mm-hmm. um, as well. So some of that is, you know, a this is a guy who is an outstanding postseason manager who is figuring out how to mitigate risk in the postseason. And that's why you go out and you get Bruce Bosch, right? Because that's what you need. This is where you make your money mm-hmm. as a manager. And that's exactly what he's doing. And I guess the only other thing I have to say about this, I have to get this in there, is I don't want to hear any more about the superiority of the AL East. Oh, because right. three teams came in and completely embarrassed themselves. They didn't win a single game. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, you can cry about the Yankees and Red Sox all you want, but they are perpetual postseason winners. And these other three came in, and it was like, see, see, the AL East is superior. And it's like, well, no, guess who's still alive? Guess who's still alive? Two AL West teams and the trashy AL Central team <laughs> all made it through. You're all gone. Didn't even win a single baseball game. Yeah. So I don't want to hear anymore about how it's so unfair to have to play in the AL East because they're so very good. Like, well, guess who's no longer represented in the postseason and got their asses swept? Three teams, not one win. Goodbye. Yeah, you know, and going back to last year, it's 11 straight playoff losses for the AL East. 11 straight. (sighs) The last time. Yeah, because New York had a terrible showing. Right. Against Houston mm-hmm. and split with, yeah, lost, dropped two to Cleveland, and Tampa got swept out by Cleveland in the wild card round. So, yeah, I mean, you guys are embarrassing. You're a joke. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, I'm, I'm I'm being really mean to the Orioles, and I like the Orioles, so I, I don't really want to do that. But like, I I more just don't want to hear any more of this. It's so unfair. Let me get my tiny violin for you that you have to play in the AL East. Well, yeah, it was hard to get there, right? Well, somehow you got three teams through, and they didn't do dick. So, Irby, yeah. how about you? What are your thoughts here on on the uh, Rangers Orioles division series? Well, it's uh, yeah. I'll start there with with Baltimore. I mean, it's this is this is the beginning. Yeah, we're gonna they're gonna be back. We're gonna see this team again. This was the you know I you had a chance. You know, yeah, 101 wins. That that's great and all that. But you know, doesn't mean anything until here. I mean, I, I the the sweep one's the most amazing. Not swept the entire season. 91 straight series, and they were never swept. But when it mattered the most, you were swept. And that's something that a lot of those players, it will be very interesting to see what how things change because that's going to stick with them. Yeah. You know, this, 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 is, this is not just youthful players. These are good youthful players. This Orioles team is not going anywhere. And if they are smart about trades, if they are smart about free agency, if they are smart on how they spend their money, this is something to be reckoned with for a while. And you, you may look back on this and be like, oh, remember how it started? Yeah, that was pretty bad. But it's over with, okay? 
you you ran into a buzzsaw, and we you guys were talking about with Texas. With Texas, we've done all season. The Rangers, their offense is a plus, the bullpen is a minus. None of that was going to be surprising. At times, your minus can get the job done. The Rangers bullpen at times has done it. The game two was the little bit of a <gasps> moment. Yeah, <laughs> but the Ranger offense. But there's the other thing is that at times your plus, your positive, which is the offense, wasn't getting it done in game one. It got it done in game two and three, but the Ranger offense wasn't putting it all together in game one. Okay? You can kind of, these two things really can mix each other out. When they're both on, you're winning. No one's going to beat you when they're both off. You're going to lose. Okay? It's that simple. So then it comes down to that factor with the Rangers was the starting pitching. And I, my gosh, throughout the season, how this has looked so different and everything of, of, I, 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 the Rangers, I, I mean, forget fan bases, anything like that. Just the guys in the clubhouse have wondered. Who's pitching this week? I, we have no idea who's starting this week. And you went into the postseason like that. Unfortunately, you've had the Andrew step up when they need to. You, you, you had Nathan Uvalde, which, I mean, here we go again. It's Yeah, the September starts were not good. Well, you know what? He's coming back from an injury, and he didn't do any rehab starts. You know, the Ranger, Chris Young has talked about that where he said, yeah, it would have been smarter to put him, it would have been better to put him through some rehab starts, but we didn't have anybody up here to pitch. So his rehab starts became the starts that the big losses to Houston, the big loss to Seattle. That's what became his rehab start. Okay, and so, yeah, you've always there. Jordan Montgomery, you know, what's great about Jordan Montgomery is Montgomery is, is every, like, six games he has a clunker. Well, cool. He just had his clunker in game two. So I expect lots of things out of, out of Montgomery here. And then the Shures are coming back. I, yeah, the Rangers thing here is now that the starting pitching – is getting the job done now that the offense is healthy. I mean, September, Adolis Garcia, Josh Young, Evan Carter weren't part of the offense. Mm-hmm. And two came back healthy and one came back. Uh, one got promoted and the offense took off. Not a surprise. I Yeah, this team, it really can go as far as their consistency. You know, and you, just, you brought it up right there <clears throat> in terms of look, looking ahead for the Rangers, Scherzer and Gray. Very well. I'm almost likely at this point to be on that ALCS roster. And that, Samantha, you talk about Bochi and, and pull, pushing the right buttons in the postseason. That's two really large buttons he's going to acquire. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and this is where, you know, again, this is where I gallery Bochi because I think he's got the sense to get him out of there if they don't look good. So right. yeah. Um, yeah, it, it well. gives you the option. And I think you feel pretty good about having a manager in there who has the sense to look at a guy and say, he doesn't have it. Get him out. I realize that presents some problems bullpen-wise, but because you have additional starters, you have more than three, right? So you can back-to-back them if you needed to, especially if you were trying to do something like run shows are out there on a pitch count. You know, you're saying, okay, we don't want to overdo it here. So you're on a pitch count. You throw, ideally, three, four innings, right? And then you bookend it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that's a really can I kind of double down? That is a great point, and and it's something that Bochi has been doing already. We saw that with Dunning and Perez right. doing the righty lefty thing right. here. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I absolutely is what you can do, and because you have two starting pitchers who are no longer starting, and Martin Perez and Andrew Heaney, absolutely you can do that. And and I, you have to you hear about what Scherzer said. And I think it's the respect he has for Bochi, the respect he has for Maddox, is that. That conversation is probably going to happen of, okay, 
if we do this and we put you in here, if I come out and take you out, you don't say a word because you just don't have it. Because you know Scherzer, once he gets out there, he's going to bite the head off an animal and be ready to go because he's going to be – he's going to be – you know he wants to get back out there badly. While blaring Creed. Yeah. While blaring Creed. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hits the chorus of higher and rips the head off a squirrel. Oh, it's okay. Let's move on. <laughs> move on. All right. Uh, next series up, uh, let's talk uh, Phillies and Braves. Here's Samantha. Uh, it, this is – it's kind of like Groundhog Day. I, I, isn't this exactly how this series went last year so far? I have no memory of this series last year that the Phillies came out on top of it, and that I think that people were a lot more surprised by that than they're going to be this year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's probably worth digging into a bit, and I, I suppose that's the – am I like the official Philly fan? Now, um, that's, I suppose, who I'm backing the most. I, I certainly, for the record, would not be unhappy um, if the Rangers won the World Series at all. But, you know, I Philly is our, you know, as a the Cleveland fan, you know, we identify deeply with the Philly fan base. So, um, you know, these are, these are my guys going forward. Um, but, you know, the numbers in the regular season <laughs> for Philly against Atlanta were not good. I mean, they were bad um some of their best performers and some of the people who we've seen show up the most in the postseason here were really just awful uh, when facing the parades in regular season play the only difference between this year and last year is last year same thing right and yet when we got in there everybody was surprised when philly really showed up in the postseason and this speaks to what we always talk about, which is that, you know, you get hot at the right team. You know, the Braves are great at the regular season, right? They're like regular season kings. Um, and this is, I, I know Braves fans, I'm sorry, it's a bit of a sore spot because what were the Braves in the 90s? The guys who won one World Series and probably should have won five. So right. yeah. <laughs> that, you know, regular season champion thing is really rough. And Philly being a team that really just seems to come alive, especially in this particular iteration in the postseason, what we're seeing here, I think, is very similar, you know, in this way, like, as, as you kind of pointed out there to what we saw a year ago. It's just less surprising this time around because we're all like, oh, yes, I remember how this worked last year. And here we go again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think that's a great way of putting it. Irby, it's 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 not as surprising as it was last year. I really did think I, I think I think it is exactly <laughs> what happened last year. Some of the names hitting home runs has changed for the Phillies, uh, but it's pretty darn similar to what we saw through the first three games last year. Yet, you know, we we all probably thought you know the Braves had that dramatic comfort behind win in Game Two. You're like, oh, okay, that that ought, that ought to right the Braves ship. Well, except that happened last year, too, and they still threw a clunker in Game 3, which is what they did in Game 3 this year. Should we just go ahead and, I, and, and maybe place some bets that it's going to go, the rest of it's going to go exactly the same as it did last year and make some money on this thing? Maybe some, well, hopefully not, because you you're, 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 you're spot on, though. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. Max Freed last year got, did not show up in Game 1. The Braves took care of business in Game 2, and they got blown out. Spencer Strider got blown out in Game 3 by Aaron Nola. Got the win there, and then Game 4 wasn't close. So, hopefully, 
we don't see that here. <laughs> and we we do. I Strider's got to get his chance to to correct history um, because it was the Braves. Uh, you know that that wonderful pitching rotation, that starting rotation that they have. It was very much a what we just saw from the the Orioles, where the starting pitching couldn't get out of the third inning, couldn't get out of the second inning. That's what happened to them last year. So you got you know. That is still a, a very dynamic, a very scary offense. Um, and, and I do believe the Braves can absolutely put it together, especially with Strider on the mound in game four. But I game ain't played on paper. If you got to do it again. And, and so, yes, that conversation is going to be had. It's in the minds of so many of those players. They know. They know what happened last year, as you're pointing out. They know exactly what happened. The, those Philly fans know what's going to happen, knew what happened. They're ready for that in game four. And so, yeah, I, I – this is one of those where I, I Atlanta for a totally different reason. You look at you know the, the series we just talked about with Nathan Uvalde, what he was able to do with, given a lead before he had a lead and just shut down the Orioles. Spencer Strider has to do it tomorrow. Has to do it tomorrow. If you have got to shut the Phillies down, not just to get the win there, but to give yourselves the confidence of okay, we're in their head. Let's go win it. Let's go. Home. Let's go back home and win this thing. <laughs> Okay, and question for you guys. I mean, how hard are we all going to be riding the radar gun on Strider early in that game, right? Because yeah. that's what you're looking for, right? The velo drop? Is mm-hmm. it going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It, it feels like game four is the actual deciding game. Yeah. Right? Like, because obviously you know, the, the Phillies win, they do win this day. That does decide it, right? But if the Braves win, they take it home for game five, then you, you really kind of teeter back to the Braves finishing this off. Do I? I think I do. I'm but, not sure that I do. Well, that, that, isn't that what's great about this series, though, and, and why the, all of us as baseball fans, you know, I'm sorry, Philly fans. I really am sorry about it. I'm going to say this. All of us as baseball fans kind of deserve a game five in this one because it's, it, it, it's just every time you think you know with the way that the series is going, it flips. Every single oh, time. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, this is the best series we've seen. Right. In, in the postseason so far. It's actually, well, I might go so far as to say it's the only good series we've seen in the postseason so far. <laughs> Everything else has been a complete dud. So... This is this is the first real postseason baseball we've seen. So yeah, I mean, I want the Phillies to win. I'm not gonna be mad if they do it in four. But like the thing that we all need and deserve as baseball fans is five games out of the series because it's gonna be the best thing that we see in these two rounds and maybe the best thing we see all postseason. To be honest, I hope that's not true. It's gonna make for a slow couple of weeks, but it could be. Oh man! All right, Irby. Anything else you want to chime in on here with the Braves Phillies? I uh, know I'm, I'm, it's the same. Like, you know, it's time to, what's the old, the put up or shut up, put your money in the mouth of Atlanta, like great, great records, regular season records, but you don't want to become like what Samantha, we pointed out the nineties all over again of like, yeah, you guys are wonderful during the year in October, velos drop, batting on base percentages drop, wins drop. That's not what you want. All right. Let's, let's flip it over to the other national league series. Uh, Smith, I, I remember Middle of the season, I, I can't remember if it was, I think it was July. It may have been, it may have been like late June. or I think it was right around a late, it was right around the All-Star break, I think. Uh, we had conversations about the Diamondbacks, you know, and they had, had a great start to the season and things were looking good. 
out in Arizona, but then they were starting to come back to earth. They were starting to turn into a pumpkin a little bit. We had conversations like, well, maybe they just didn't quite have it this year. Well, look at them now. I mean, you have to tip your cap here. They get swept by the Astros. Very actually a little similar storyline to the Rangers. Got swept by the Astros. Were able to clinch that wild card spot because one of the competitors lost. Right, so they get swept by Houston. They at the, they go into the wild card round, and they just start winning. And here, it, it, all you can say is is it, the same thing. I think that we've said every single year since the beginning of baseball in the eighteen hundreds. The hot team, the hot team in October wins. Well. We talked about the Rangers earlier. I think you got to talk about the Diamondbacks here. They're the hot team in the National League right now. Yeah, I mean, this has to be one of the sort of most consistently true sort of baseball-isms that's out there is you don't have to be the best team. You just have to be the hottest team. So right now, the best teams don't look too good. (laughs) Right. Certainly, we, we've not had a particularly good showing. You know, the Orioles got swept. The, the Dodgers very well could get swept. Reminder, this is Wednesday night um, that we are recording us, and the game is just getting underway, and the, and the Braves are, are in a dogfight right now. So best teams, hottest teams, very different. It's Baseball postseason just doesn't work the way that it does in other sports. It's not necessarily going to be the best team. And no matter what, like, I mean, hey, the Dodgers could come back and win three and knock Arizona out of this. And we can still say hell of a run because yeah. this is a really really impressive performance here for a team that i mean we'll blow our own horns again and say hey we, we've been on this since the beginning of the season we said we thought they had a shot at the postseason but you know we meant a wild card which is what they were you know but i don't think any of us expected this especially because they were so bad against mm-hmm. the dodgers in the regular season but again there you go it's just like philly and atlanta Right, and the Dodgers look like a shell of themselves. I mean, they they just look awful, you know. I mean, and they have looked probably worse than anyone else in this round, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. No question. I mean, even the Twins, even the Twins, yeah. are, are putting up a fight. You know, even Baltimore put some runs on the board. They they put up a fight in one game, and the Dodgers have really looked flat here. You know, tremendous opportunity for Arizona. And, see, and here's the thing. Now, there's all this chatter going around the game right now, which I, I think John Smoltz started it, frankly, because he he was the first one I heard talk about it. And next thing you know, oh, and next thing you know, everyone's talking about it. this. This well, it's the five days off. That's why. That's why these hundred win teams are losing. It's because they have five <sighs> days off. I've got another theory. I want, I want you guys' opinion on this. I've got another theory because you, you look at those those four teams, right? They had the five days off, right? The Astros are not struggling. The Braves are struggling. The Dodgers are struggling. Who's the other one? I'm, I'm missing the fourth one. Okay. Orioles. 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 The Orioles, okay. Of those four, look at the ones that clinched really early. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, LA, those are the two that, that have played the worst. They haven't had they have not had to compete for anything since mid-September. Why don't you look at that? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's about having five days off. I think it's about not having played meaningful baseball right. in 
quite a while. I totally agree with you on that. I think that is much more important to this. Yeah. I, the five days off thing to me always just feels like, I don't think there's anybody who is like the worst for having had five vacation days, no matter what your like respective <laughs> job is. Right. Like, I, I think sometimes if you have one day off or you don't want one, it can be a bit of a momentum killer. But, like, you can get right back on the horse if you're playing meaningful baseball right up to the end of the season, and then it's, like, five days, an opportunity to rest our bullpen. Like, you don't forget how to do it. Right. Like, not in that amount of time. I, I think you're 100% right about that. Yeah. You, you look at you look at the teams that are winning in, in, in October right now. The Rangers down to the last game. We're still mm-hmm. on, on the, the Astros also down to the last game fighting for the West. The Diamondbacks fighting until set to the second to last game for a wild card spot. Right. Those pressure games. It, it's it's, it's it, every single sport is like this. You don't want to coast into the playoffs. You never want to coast into the playoffs because you lose your edge. That to me is what's happening with these hundred hundred win teams that are suddenly struggling. They clinch too early. They had nothing to play for. They was going through the motions for two weeks before, and then you have then you have to rest five days and, and and try to fire up those competitive juices again. And you know if 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 the playoffs can't do it for you, you shouldn't have won hundred games to begin with. Well, yeah, and both of those teams have nothing much to gain, even in terms of seeding. Right. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a problem that. too. So, I mean, in Baltimore, who did, like, a tiny bit better. Um, well, no, they didn't. They didn't do better than the Braves. They didn't even win a game. But, you know, that they did still have a, a dog in the fight towards the end. So, I mean, that's something, too, I guess. But, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. Well, you know what? You know what we need to do? Irby, you can help us with this. We need to come up with the division lead index, Okay. How many games is the max you want to be up towards the end of the season? Do you want to win the division by three where you're still playing meaningful games up until like Friday? <laughs> is that, is that, no, that's, at? that's good. That's good. And, and I mean, it, it is going to matter on the players too, because that's, you guys made the point I was going to make also. Like, you, we, we hear this, this stupid and it, and it is stupid. Uh, well, five days out. I, I, I'm with you. Samantha. Like, I can't think of a professional, Amateur, collegiate, child, you know, professional, anybody of like, hey, yeah, hey, you're going to have this huge ordeal. Okay, but before you can get five days relax, everything's ready, it's prepped to go, and then you're going to give do this thing. Okay, awesome. I love the relaxation, and then let's dive in and do it. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get that. That is the stupidest thing out there. But the other thing that nixes that is, is you know, love them, hate them, however you want to feel about the, the, the Astros. Over the last seven years, They've done nothing but win those division series. Like they just keep showing up. They get those breaks and then they get the job done. Yeah. Okay. So no, I, I no, you're 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 a professional athlete. Figure it out. Like like yes. I, I, I and, and I'm with you there both. Like if you can't get into, you know, whatever it is, whatever you need, that one game, that second game we're gonna run for it's like, okay, let's get this going, you know, or or the intermural, whatever it is, like if you can't get there, you have no business being there. Because I, I, there, there. How many people would love to be in your position of an opportunity to win? And it's because that's what it comes down to. And this is where, really, it's the it's the 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 truth or the the root of this joke that we make about the twins of, you know, 
were you really just playing for the division? Yeah, like really. That's that's the highlight. That's the highlight of the season is the division. And it, no, it's plain, meaningful October games. It doesn't matter if you win the division or the wild card. Yes, if you win your division and you have the better record, you get more home games. Yes, that is a benefit. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you don't have, you have to get only twenty four outs. That doesn't mean the other team. You still have to get the twenty seven outs, whether you're home or away. It's the beautiful thing about baseball. The, the, the field doesn't change if you're home or away. It's the same thing, okay? The home team's more used to it, but you played there. So, no, I, I, I can't. I cannot with this whole, well, it's just too much rest. Then you know what? You have no business being there. So pack your bags, sit down, let the big boys, let the real guys that want to be there get the job done because that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And you had Texas go into Baltimore and whoop some tail. You've got Arizona going into L.A. right now and absolutely manhandling a Dodgers team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Dodgers team. See, Samantha, this is where I know. It's one of, those, one of those things where, like, I think I know, but I really know. If, if it's not wrapped up in a sweep for the Diamondbacks, it will be in game four because they're going to start Kershaw again. Kershaw, who hasn't been right for a bit, got absolutely bombed. In game one, they're going to turn around and put him on game four, no matter what. That, that is a direct quote. No matter what. Well, that's why they're going to lose. I This is so bad. This is so bad. Like, I can't believe, I mean, it is, it's Dave Roberts. He has made a lot of really questionable choices um, as a postseason manager in the past. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised. But this is so bad. Like, you have given yourselves a real chance to get back into this thing with Lance Lynn out there on the mound in the third game, which we don't know how this is going to end. It's maybe a sweep, and, and you may be, by the time you're listening to this, this may be over. But I think your point is correct that, like, okay, let's say the Dodgers do hypothetically get themselves back into this. They get out there, they get a win. Lance Lynn's going to give you a chance. And then what do you do? You're like, you know what we're going to, you know what we'll do in the elimination game in game four? Like, we're going to start the guy who completely melted down in the first. Like, that's what we're going to do. Are you insane? Like, it's not like they're saying, well, we may have to use Kershaw out of the pen if we run out of people. Like, are you nuts? Like, why on earth would you say, this is what we're going to do? First of all, if I was going to do that, I wouldn't tell anybody, right? Because the one thing you would have going for you would be the element of surprise because no one in their right mind would expect that. Mm-hmm. So that would be the one positive is if you just went surprise for starting Kershaw again. And your opponent is like, oh, we didn't prepare for that because that's the dumbest thing ever. We never expected you to do that. And he put it out there already. Like, this is insane. Like, why do you want to die on this hill, man? Like, this is so dumb. <laughs> like, there are some playoff hills you die on. This isn't one of them. I mean, this feels... Uh, I'm blanking on the Red Sox manager's name. The the, the one that, that that left Pedro in. Um, Are you talking about Grady Little? Yeah, this is this was is, it Grady Little. Yeah, this is Grady. This, this, yeah, this is Grady Little in the O three playoffs here. Like this is like you should know better. Even even Dave Roberts should know better than this. I yeah this this is like some Nathaniel Hackett stuff. 
right here. Yes. Nathaniel Hackett coaching the Broncos stuff is what we're seeing here where you're like, have you ever seen this sport before? Like that, that's where I'm at on this. Like, because it's not like it would be different if Kershaw had been fantastic and he had one bad start. Then I would say, okay, you want to trust your guy to bounce back. But Kershaw has not been good. Like it's not just that start. He has looked bad. So that's where I really, really struggle with this. Like I understand going back to a veteran, even if he's had one very bad outing in his last start, if you're confident that it was just that, a bad outing. Maybe you think he was tipping. I don't know. But like a guy who's clearly in decline, who has not looked good for a long time, and you're like, you know what, we're just going to do this. Like why? Like Dodgers fans aren't going to thank you for this, man. Is that what you're thinking? You're like, look, let's start the legend again. You should never have started him in game one. You should absolutely not be starting him in a hypothetical game four. This is just insane. I mean, Irby, this doesn't fly in beer league softball. This type of this, this type of critical thinking, and I'm using my air quotes on that. I mean, this it's it's just not a good decision, especially to go so hard in on it. Where you're saying that I'm not changing my mind, right? Like that 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 that's what Roberts. That's how that's how firm he is on Kershaw starting game four. Yeah, there's only two individuals that are less certain about this. It's Dave Roberts and Matt Canada. Um, if we're going to cross over again. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, too. Like, if you're going to be the one, it's either you were making, that's the point I love that you were making there. If you, if this is the decision, if this is what you're going to do, if this is the hill you're going to die on, you know, I mean, I, I would continue that. You don't get on the hill and then yell out to your enemy, hey, I'm over here. Like, you don't need to say anything. Like, if internally in the clubhouse you're going with Clayton and it's all hands on deck, you know, you don't have to say anything. You're not required to come out and tell us. Just make the decision that day. You know, like you said, like, he could be all that? over. He, I don't know. Like, does like, he know that you don't have to Alex Cora it and announce the season before who your opening day starter will be? Like, yeah. You don't I, have I, to do this, Dave. Like, you yeah. don't have to tell us that. You got like a while before you got to turn the lineup card in. Well, isn't it? It's like an hour. Like you can give one. You like an hour before game. You can make a decision. I and Mm -hmm. that is nobody's gonna say, "Well, that's showmanship or gamemanship." Like what? What is this? You can't. You're allowed to do that. That's at an hour. You do have to. Okay, who who is it? It's such and such. Awesome, great. You know, and bam, he's in. So I, I don't. I okay, Dave. Sure, whatever. I mean, why? But whatever, do it. Well, this series, you know, it, it's it's interesting because by the, by the time uh, by the time this this gets out there in the broadcast the, the the podcasting world, this series may be over. So keep in mind, we are recording this; it is not over yet. We're discussing this series as if it's not over yet, although it very well could be <laughs> before the end. So of Dave this. Roberts already told us that it is because it's either going to be over after tonight or it's going to be over after May Fourth. Dave Dave has informed us of how this is going to. Okay, that's fair. That, that, that's fair. You know, so it'll be a few hours old. The podcast will be a few hours old by the time that happens. So if there's a game three win for the Doc, I don't, you know, it, it's, man, it's, it's, is it part of it too? Like, like the fact that you're leading our Kershaw so much. We did talk about this going into the playoffs. We talked about that, I think, like the, like the, the second or last week of the season that for the first time in a long time, 
there was some serious question marks with that Dodgers pitching staff. And here they are leaning on Kershaw when they absolutely should not do that. It kind of puts an exclamation point on that, doesn't it, Samantha? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think there's there's a defensible position for giving Kershaw a postseason start. And it's exactly what you said, which is that they are short on pitching. I still don't agree with him starting game one. Um, I, I don't think there's anything to be gained by being the old school baseball guy who hands the, the pill to the veteran, even though the guy doesn't have it anymore. Like, that's what you do on the last day of the regular season. You got nothing to play for. And you're like, sure, Miggy, you know, go out there and try to hit 17 more hits or whatever it is that you need to, to you know, get yourself into the, the Hall of Fame. Sure, sure. Of course. You don't do that in the postseason. And as a fan, you're furious, right? Like, nobody wants to see special guy on the mound. They want to win games. That's the whole point. You play to win the game. Where's the audio of that? Um, like, this is nuts. But I understand saying we are short on starting pitching. Clayton is a veteran. We're going to give him an opportunity. I don't know if that's game two, game three. I mean, there's a part of me that would have argued that Lance Lynn should have been on the hill for game one, although he's not looking particularly good as I stare at my TV while we are recording this. But he sure looks better than Kershaw. Like, so much better than Kershaw. Right. And Miller. And at this point, as bad as your options are beyond that, they're only bad relative to the options you usually have with the Dodgers. They're not actually bad options. And right now, it sure looks like every stinking one of them would have been a better choice than Kershaw. And now you're telling me you're going to send Kershaw out there again. Like. What? Do you know how bad my choices would have to be? I mean, we'd have to be talking about one of those, like, all-timer, like, really flaming out at the end of your career, you know, ERA of 16 in the regular season innings eater. You you know, you'd need to be Lucas Giolito, (laughs) essentially, at the end of this season. And honestly, even Lucas Giolito could probably pitch better if he gave him a couple of starts. It's bad. It's bad. (laughs) Like, learn your lesson, man. (laughs) Doing it twice is fireable. Doing it once seems ill-advised. Doing it twice (laughs) is, is like, that's a fireable offense. But how many times has Dave Roberts committed a fireable offense and not gotten fired? So Every year. (laughs) Every year. Every year. Except for the the bubble year when they actually won the World Series. Every year he's done that. Yeah. Every... (laughs) How many off seasons have we had now going in? Like, there's no way Dave Roberts survives this. There's no way Dave Roberts survives this. And every time he well, does, and the sad part is, is he did it in the twenty in the weirdo season too. He just, but they won, so it didn't matter. But technically, he did it then too. They just <laughs> got away with it. We're gonna like every year with this guy, man. Every year. Oh my gosh! The apocalypse is going to come around. It is going to be Dave Roberts, Keith Richards, and a couple of cockroaches. Yes, yes. The the earth, like the entire country will like melt and everything will burn to the ground and there will be nothing left except a bunch of cockroaches, Keith Richards playing his guitar, and Dave Roberts trying to coach a baseball team that no longer exists. (laughs) Yes, but will they, Keith and Dave, be playing Creed songs? Well, now you've ruined it. (laughs) It was a a, a good (laughs) stick. Yeah. <laughs> you had to go and ruin it. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> it takes you anywhere. <laughs> but but there's the the point. Like like you've got you've got this this whatever it is great thing going on in Arlington, Texas, and 
Dave Roberts apparently is watching too many Disney movies. That's that's what he's doing with Clerks Talk. Like, no, this is it. This is Danny he's going to walk out on that mound, <laughs> and there's going to be music playing, and he's going to do it. This is it. This is it. It's a Disney movie. Like, no, it's not how it works in real life there, Dave. Angels in the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about an animated Disney movie, isn't Clayton Kershaw the one who dies off camera at the beginning of the movie that kicks off the actual people who are going to be responsible for whatever happens? I mean, he does have. I mean, he like he's like Bambi's mom. I, I was whatever. just thinking that. Yeah, he's Bambi's mom. He's Bambi's mom. <laughs> yeah, he's Bambi's mom, and Roberts is still telling him, "All right, you're taking the mound." <laughs> really horrible visual on that charred deer on the mound. Oh boy, yikes. <laughs> All right. Samantha, anything else in this series before we get to the uh, the last AL one? I No, no. Just that it, as we speak, I'm watching Dave Roberts do an in-game interview. And it's like, I mean, I think we've all agreed that these are stupid and we should stop doing these. Right. Oh, but like, you know should we especially not do them with Dave Roberts, who clearly needs to concentrate harder on what he's doing? Okay. Like. While we're on that, while we're on that, I have to actually might have to get myself a Mike Gundy here. Uh, can someone please get a memo to Fox that the ump view, the ump camera is for replays only? Stop showing yes. it on a live pitch. Thank you. Thank you. Horrible. What yes. is that? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Just because stop with this, like, we have a camera, so we're going to be okay. You know why you have that camera? For replay. That is for plays at the plate. Oh, my goodness, yes. Replay. So so it, it, it did pick up a great shot of Garcia's home run in game game three. Great shot. Replay. As a replay. As a replay. <laughs> yeah. Right? And that's how it was used. As a replay. Don't make it on a live pitch. Nobody wants to see that. On a live well, pitch. The whole point of a broadcast is to make it feel like you're there. And under in no circumstances are you inside the catcher's sock. That's right. That's a good point. <laughs> I actually didn't think of it that way, but that's true. Oh. That's true. Smacking my head off the wall. Oh, yes. Please stop this. Stop it. With that stupid up camera on a live pitch. That's all. Replay all you want to. That's fine. That's fine. You know, and the thing is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the job of these Fox executives for them. The thing, if you wait for and, and only use it for replays, you can pick and choose which shot you use. Imagine that. You're not relying on a live pitch being compelling. You pick a compelling pitch, and that's the one you show. Yeah, like, I don't know how much people at home know about, like, working a live broadcast. I spent almost, like, my entire professional career doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, you can make very, very much split-second decisions about which camera to go to. You also have cameras that you never go to in certain circumstances because it's never going to make sense. It's one less thing as a producer that you have to worry about. You don't need that camera for that. It's never going to be relevant. You ignore it until you're in a replay situation in this particular instance. Like, it's not hard. Like, They're cameras, not, like, small children. You don't have to use them all, right? Like, it's not going to get upset if it doesn't get used as much as the ones that... This is just bad. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad. Just stop it. Just just, just stop. That's all you got to do. Just stop. Whatever 
thought in your head that said this is a good idea, just shut it down. Shut it down. Someone's screwing with you. One of those voices in your head is crazy. Oh, so bad. Just stop. All right, let, let's let's get to that last AL division series uh, that, as we're recording, is still going on. Uh, so, off the top here, uh, as we wait for a potential result here, uh, Samantha, do you think the Twins peaked in Game Two? Was that the peak of their postseason experience this year? I think the Twins peaked in 1991. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> that was the last time they won a World Series, right? Yes. <laughs> that's all. I'm sorry. I don't have anything more to say. No, I, I, Irby, same I will make you. no further comment on this topic. <laughs> but some good 1991. The Lions won a playoff games and the Twins were peaking. One of those is going to happen again. The Lions can win another playoff game. I yeah no the twin um it, it's you know it's funny the more I'm looking at this and it was definitely happening you know in, in the game that was being played uh, Wednesday night it's they're they're not doing poorly when runners in scoring position because they're not getting people in scoring position like like that's the knock on what like the Rangers like they get them on they get them over sometimes they don't get them in. Minnesota's not even getting them over. They, they're rarely getting them on. So it's, I, I, yeah, this is, so yes, this was the, the, the peak of the season was, oh my goodness, we won a playoff series. Wow. So they exceeded expectations. Okay. On that little dartboard, bulletin board, chalkboard, whatever you want to have, dry erase board up there, they had on there win the division. That was the goal the whole season. And they exceeded that because they beat, not only did they win a series, they beat an AL East team. So that was the highlight. <laughs> Another subtle dig at the AL East. <laughs> I like it. Well, I, I, regardless of what happens in here in, in game three, which, you know, last reminder, uh, we're recording um, while this game is going on. So bear with us. Um, you know, Samantha, the, the one thing that I, I think a lot of people have been looking forward to is that possibility of the interstate ALCS, and it's very close to coming true at this point. I mean, in fact, I think, I think all of us would be shocked if that doesn't come true. What are your thoughts on that? I suppose I should start by saying that when you say a lot of people are looking forward to that, you're speaking only of people from Texas, because trust me, literally no one else wants that. Um <laughs> No one, sorry, guys, no one cares. Uh, <laughs> that might be true. Could not be less interested in this. Like, I, I don't think there's anyone outside the state of Texas that cares to see an all-Texas series. This has no relevance to any of us. Some of the national um, guys were talking about it in a positive way. Yes, they do that every time two teams from the same state meet because the national people, you know, the ones who don't watch baseball all season long – get really excited because they think this is a way to manufacture a rivalry. Like it's like when they're like, Oh, this subway series. And it's like, man, nobody outside New York cares about that. Most people inside New York don't care about that. Like it's mm, no, no. The only, the better thing about it is that division rivals that hate each other. That's what's good about this. The fact that they're in the same state and a state that's not going to be relevant really to anybody else. Like, and this is no offense to Texas. I'm not saying it would be any different in my state. I'm just saying no one cares about this. Like, people just want the Astros gone. 
this is the national opinion. Everyone wants the Astros out. Mm -hmm. Whoever does it is fine. The fact that it might be a division rival, that might be valuable. But, yeah, the the Texas thing, sorry, guys. No one cares. You know, and, and, okay, to that that point, you know, Irby, I think everyone pretty well knows, these two teams don't like each other. Like, like you want to you want to talk about a, like a firebomb of a, of a, of, a, of a playoff series? This is it. These two teams hate each other. So there's gonna be a lot of drama. Gonna be a lot of high stakes, leverage situations. That might it might just be downright entertaining to everyone that doesn't have a stake in the games. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what you're hoping for is, is it's two hot teams. It's two teams that are playing well. It's two offenses that, that, you know, one through nine can get the job done and have throughout the season. That's what you're hoping for, and that's that's what we're we're all playing for here. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with the – like, I'm, I'm one of the ones who – I don't – I could care less. I don't really care about the interstate. I know that that conversation have. If this is the Angels moving on, it's the Rangers playing the Angels, I want to beat them just as badly. Like it's it, 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 it that's that's more of it because of the I think what he said there well it's that division stuff it's the it's the consideration of the division I want to beat my division rival you know and because of it's a division one played plenty of times throughout the season you know it's and it's one that Houston has absolutely dominated for the last seven years the Rangers haven't been in the conversation they haven't been winning series against Houston so they're looking like they're going to get their opportunity here um, and I yeah I I they, any way you cut it, it's hopefully it's an entertaining series because it's two teams that are hot. It's two teams that can score a lot of runs. It's two teams who are starting pitching, getting the job done, um, and the strikeout just happened. So it's official. It's the Rangers and the Astros playing in the ALCS. Wow, your TV's ahead of mine. Could we could we talk about this too in the same context that we talked about Atlanta and Philly? Because it's a similar situation in that I believe the Rangers had a really rough time against Houston. Like, were they not four? It was four and nine, four and I believe. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. four and nine yep. in the regular season. But the Rangers look way hotter than the Astros right now. So are we going to get a situation similar to what we saw in Atlanta and Philly, where it's like it almost flip-flops regular season Warriors versus hotter team? Like, Houston makes me way more nervous. Mostly because I want them gone, but um, and you know I'm not that invested in getting the Braves out. I don't care if the Braves, but like, but I mean, it's this is official now. But the Astros have beaten the Twins, so so that's it. You know, we we have our our AL matchups. Yeah, you know, and I think I think there's something to that. You know, um, regular and I, I think Samantha, I think we've seen this in multiple sports. It's it's not just baseball and it's not just football teams. Struggle against an opponent in the regular season that they see, you know, football, you see them twice. I'm talking about these division opponents, right? It's, it's, it's tough in the football to beat a team three times in the same year. In fact, it hardly ever happens, right? I, I think you have it in baseball. You have it basketball. Like the regular season is just different than the postseason. And right now, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you that the Rangers are the hotter team of the two. I think you you have to take those regular season stats and just toss them out. And I would say, and you know, I, I can hear Astros fans chirping now. Well, of course, you, the the Rangers went four. Now, I would say that if the Rangers went nine and four against Houston, like like the, it's, I think baseball in particular, what happens in the regular season doesn't translate to the postseason. And we've seen that this entire postseason, just like we've seen it in every postseason that we can remember. 
Yeah, I think the reasoning is different in football because you're right. I never thought about it before because the reason it happens is so different. But you're right. You know, we get different results in the postseason. With football, I think it's more about, you know, the way that we usually talk about that is we say it's really hard to beat someone three times. Who is a, a And that's what's going to happen if you run into a divisional opponent in the postseason. In baseball, it's not really about that, that it's hard to keep beating up on somebody. It's about that whoever is the regular season warrior is not necessarily going to be the hot team in the postseason. But you're right that the result is the same. I just never thought about it that way because the reasoning for it is so different. But the result is very similar in that, yeah, we often get very, very different results. It's why we would caution, you know, and I don't care if it's Houston, I don't care if it's the Braves. And, and as you pointed out, like it, even if it was flip-flops, we would say the same thing. We would hate saying it a little more, but we would still say it. Right, yeah. Is that, like, <laughs> it's, you kind of can't take regular season results and expect to get the same thing head-to-head out of the same two teams when they're playing a really different type of baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we, we could talk about this now. A potential matchup problem. The Astros don't have the op- – Dusty Baker doesn't have the same options with piggybacking, like you guys talked about earlier in the show, piggybacking with guys like Dunning and Perez, adding Scherzer and Gray to the mix. Bochy's got a lot more flexibility with how he, how he runs his pitching staff than Baker does. Yeah, that's a good point of, of what it is, but – I, I, the beautiful thing about this, and this comes with the, you know, beating team three times, you know, the Braves and the Phillies, Dodgers and the in the Diamondbacks. I, I, it's it's this simple of what's about to happen. These are two really good teams. The Rangers and the Astros are two teams that have positioned themselves to not only win the American League, but they are two teams that can absolutely win World Series. Mm-hmm. Only one's going to move on. Only one of them is going to win four games. This is the beauty of sport. Is we can break it down. We look here and here. It's execution time. Yeah. It's who's minimizes mistakes and stuff like that. And that's just great. The four, the four and nine record, nine and four, whichever side you're on, means jack. Nothing. That's right. And that's the great one. So I love that you did that about that. Because, yeah, Braves can dominate the Phillies. Dodgers can dominate the West all you want. We're in October. When it actually counts. Nothing against the regular season. It's wonderful. It's awesome. Regular season baseball is a lot of fun to be a part of. But you remember October. And right now, you're remembering what the Phillies are doing to the Braves. Again. Right now, you're watching the Diamondbacks hit back-to-back, or not back-to-back, but two home runs to take a 3 nothing lead in Game 3, up 2-0. I mean, it, it, my gosh, watching Arizona right now against the Dodgers, it's like watching a mirror of the Rangers and the and the Orioles. I, I, I'm almost getting there. I'm like, I'm ready for the Rangers to sweep the Astros, and I'm ready for the Diamondbacks to sweep through. And just let's get these two teams on mega winning streaks of like, well, game one, someone's got to lose. So here we go. <laughs> that's, I, I, I'm fairly certain now that's never actually happened. Right? Like... We never, we never had two teams sweep through the their league to get to the World Series, right? Like that's not happened. I yeah, I don't think so. I can't no, no, sweep like that. The playoffs, I don't believe that's ever happened. <laughs> Man, at that point, so let's do it. Game let's one, do it. Game one of the World Series is going to be labeled as something's got to give. <laughs> right? It's like, 
Wow, that could be fun. <laughs> Smith, anything else on this uh, before we call it a night? No, no, just uh, the field is, is shaping up, and as of right now, Arizona is looking like they're taking command here, and the Dodgers all look like they want to die. So, lucky you, you may not have to watch Clayton Kershaw game four. Dave Roberts once again avoids the hook. <laughs> Because he managed so badly in the first place that he never got the opportunity to start Clayton Kershaw the second time. <laughs> We're headed in that direction right now. I, I honestly could see him getting fired, though, for that, too. Uh, Dave, you're getting fired because of you're starting on, or Kershaw on Game 4. We didn't play Game 4, I know, but the fact that you even mentioned it is a fireable offense. <laughs> it feels fireable to me. I, w- I feel like I, yeah, I would understand that. Yeah, especially since you're on, like, your 17th chance. So, yeah. <sighs> All right. Irby, how about you? Anything you would add here? I know. It's, it's, I'm, I'll become fanboy again. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. It's Creed Kool-Aid, but I'm going to keep being fanboy. It's just fun to have, you know, meaningful playoff games in October. Okay, I, I can assure all of you listening to Lollygagging Sports that uh, I will not play Creed again. At least not during this postseason. I might I might do it for fun later, but I'm not going to turn this into the cult music. All right. That's if do we keep us. winning, you'll do it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I will find other ways to keep that streak alive. <laughs> Wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you give us a like. Subscribe to the show. Help us out with that algorithm. Trying to get some more lollygaggers in here. But for now, that's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Until next week, watch some playoff baseball. It's good for you. There's something strange in your neighborhood.